0: and welcome to Speak a DogCast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Wolf, Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, go ahead and do so right now. New episodes come out every single Wednesday morning. You're going to want to check them out. You can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a DogCast. And if you're an Apple Podcast user, click that five-star rating if you love what you're hearing, or leave me a great review. Helps the podcast grow, and I would really appreciate it, guys, so make sure you click that five star review. On the show today, we have Back to Basics, training concepts. Yes, you guys have to have an understanding of the basics of training. Yeah, and if you don't know what you're doing, how can you do it well? <laughs> then comes a segment all about clicker training. I'll give you all my thoughts on that. Then there uh, then we'll have our next and newest segment, The First Pets. Yes, it'll be featuring a president of the United States and the pets that accompanied them in the White House. Then we'll have the listener Q&A, and if you guys have questions for that listener Q&A, whether it's dog-related, training-related, animal-related, anything related, send it on over my way. You can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to message me on social media as well. Before we get going with today's show, gotta give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what animal can have the most babies at once? Yes, what animal can have the most babies at once? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, back to basics, training concepts. Yes, we gotta talk about the basics. It always comes back to the basics. And you know something, if you've been progressing in your training and you feel like everything's great and then all of a sudden you hit a wall, it means you need to actually go backwards a little bit. I know, I know. Uh, But this is what I tell all my clients. You know, you have to, you have to, first of all, you have to expect failures in your training. You really do. That's just a part of it because I can't just go, hey dog, can you stop doing this thing I don't want you to do, right? I can't just ask them to stop. What they have to do is they have to fail in order to learn that they, that didn't work for them, right? That's how animals learn, including ourselves, is by failure. Can be healthy. So when, when our dogs do get to that point where maybe we, you know, and it failures, I know everybody, we don't like that word, but it's true. It's failure and that's, it's fine. Uh, but when We do get to that point of failure and it is inevitable. It is going to happen at some point. Um, you have to go backwards a little bit because what I want you to do is go back to the last place you got success and then build up from it again. But instead, what we tend to do is we get to this place of failure and we kind of just keep hitting our head on a wall, doing the same thing over and over and over and over the same thing that hasn't been working. (laughs) And then we go, why isn't this working? And we get frustrated. And the best thing you can do sometimes is just take a couple steps back and go, you know something, let's go back to that. Let's go back to where we were two weeks ago in our training because he was doing really great doing this one thing and we tried to move forward. It's not working. go back and do that other thing really great for another week or two, then try to move forward again. And you might be surprised at the change. Okay, so failure is a natural part of learning and we sometimes have to go backwards to move forward. So in order to go backwards though, we have to have a solid foundation. We have to have a good place to start uh, to be able to fall back on it, right? Because if we have a weak foundation and we try to fall back on it, what's gonna happen? It's gonna fall apart on us. So you have to have that strong foundation and in order to have a strong foundation, you have to understand the training concepts, guys. Um, you know, look, I I sometimes when I, sometimes when I start training with people, well, not sometimes. All the time, when I start training with people, we start with the concepts of training, and sometimes <laughs> there was there was where I was trying to go. Sometimes it's met with a blank stare, or maybe like a rolling eyes. Occasionally, usually it's the younger ones who think that, but that's okay. Um, but no, it, it's it's this kind of nose up to this information because it's basic. It's sometimes a little dry and boring. But I start there with every single one of my clients because of this, the sheer fact that it's important. It's important that they understand the basic concepts of training. And so today, uh, you know, I, I first, I tried to start out, I'll admit, I actually had tried to record this segment uh, before this, and I wasn't. it wasn't really going where I wanted it to. And part of it is because what's the name of the segment? Back to basics. Here's the thing. When it comes to punishment, reinforcement, it can get a little tricky. (laughs) It's not rocket science, we're not talking ridiculously hard stuff, but it's a little more than basic. So I actually had to stop and go, you know what, I'm going way too off on positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and all these specifics, and it's a little too much. It's not basic. So let's keep it simple. Let's talk basics, basic training concepts. What does it take uh, to, to understand, like what do you need to understand to be able to implement it with your dog successfully and have a good training foundation, okay? So training concepts, you know, it, we can't avoid the psychology side of it. I can't avoid the dry stuff altogether. Uh, we have to talk about reinforcement. We have to talk about punishment, but let's keep it basic. Look guys, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even the most complicated animals like ourselves were very simplistic at the end of the day because what do we all really want How many times do I talk about this? All the time. (laughs) What do we all want in life, guys? Stability. That's what we all want out of life, truly, is stability. Fulfillment. But that's what fulfillment gets us, is stability. That's a part of that. So it doesn't really matter what type of animal. It doesn't matter if you're a flying animal, a swimming animal, a land animal. Um, You want stability in life, Okay. And in order to create that stability, and in order to create rules, boundaries, regulations, reinforce, we have reinforcement and punishment. Now to me, I look, I am I'm, I'm, I am sort of a form, firm believer. I'm sort of a firm believer. There you go. <laughs> I am a firm believer in the ebb and flow of things. Sort of a yin and yang concept, if you will. I, I, you know, if you go into like a philosophy class, they start talking about good and bad, good versus evil. And how do we know what good is versus bad? And um, I mean, we could, you know, we we could play this game all day long. Um, that's, what, that's why philosophy class is fun right because no one's ever right and no one's ever wrong <laughs> there are very few things we can definitively prove and even if you go that route how can you definitively definitively prove we're not all not all in the matrix right now you know what i mean like you can't definitively prove that um <laughs> anyway uh but at the end of the day guys Animals are very simplistic in their needs because at the end of the day, we all want stability, create that stability. We need rules, structure, boundaries, and affection. And really what that is, like I said, it's an ebb and flow of things. Good, bad, yin, yang. Um, it's, it's light, it's dark, it's stormy, it's sunny. You know what I mean? Like It's the way the world turns. And so at the end of the day, again, we have reinforcement, we have punishment. Yin, Yang. Reinforcement is what is going to increase behavior and and strengthen a behavior, which is going to increase the likelihood that that behavior is going to repeat itself over and over and over. However, if we punish a behavior, punishment is going to decrease behavior. It's going to lessen it. It's going to decrease the likelihood of that behavior happening again. Now, again, guys, every animal on this planet works exactly the same way we either get reinforced for a behavior and we wanna repeat it and increase it and strengthen it, or we get punished for a behavior it lessens and we don't wanna do that again. That's the essence of behavior and training. You're either going to be reinforced for a behavior or punished for a behavior. Now, what changes animal to animal uh person to person individual to individual personality to personality what's going to change the the one thing that, that that changes among that concept is motivation right so what you might view it as something motivating makes you want to do something another person might not same thing with the other side of the coin punishment right You may not view punishment the same way as your neighbor does, as your spouse does, as the person next to you does. So motivation is what's going to change individual to individual or animal to animal. But at the end of the day, it all stays the same. Behavior is either going to be reinforced or punished. There's no avoiding this. There's no putting magical words to it and making you feel better and not hurting feelings and not ripping band-aids off. Guys, this is just how this works. Yin, yang, good, bad, strengthen, decrease, lessen reinforce punish i don't make this stuff up if i made this stuff up guys i'd be on a half a billion dollar yacht and i would not be doing this podcast right now you know what i'm saying <laughs> if i had been the one to figure this stuff out i don't think i'd be here right now uh <laughs> see this isn't this isn't my opinion that's that's the thing i love about my job this is not my opinion this is and again let's not get into you know, philosophy and who's right and who's wrong. Guys, at the end of the day, some things have to be factual. And the reality is, behavior is factual. The way this stuff works is factual. We've proven it with research and experimentation over and over and over. So at the end of the day, reinforcement's going to increase behavior, punishment's going to decrease behavior. If you can take, and nothing else away from this today but that, you're doing great, (laughs) okay? Because at the end of the day, I wanna look at my pet and I wanna go, hey, I want to increase the likelihood of my dog repeating behaviors I like. Desired behaviors. Now, again, I say desired behaviors because what you might view as a desired behavior, the person next to you might not. Motivation changes person to person, individual to individual. Even a motivation behind what your behavioral expectations are with your dog. Basics, guys. Basics. Without this understanding of how your animal ticks... Forget it, all right? So reinforce and strengthen anything you like, punish and decrease anything you don't like. Now, I can already hear, well, David, what what's a type of punishment? What is my dog? And hey, that's the question I get a lot, right? Is, well, what is punishment? What can I use as a form of punishment? The definition of punishment is anything an animal works to avoid, Anything an animal works to avoid. Withholding a treat if they want it, that's a punishment. Collar corrections, guys. Use your leashes. Use your collars. That's what they're designed for. And if you do it in a correct and humane way, there's nothing wrong with using these constricting collars as a form of a correction. A form of healthy punishment. Okay? So there's all kinds of ways we can punish a dog. There are. There's all kinds of ways we can reinforce a dog. Most people are good at that side of it. Um, At the same time, they unknowingly reinforce behaviors they don't like. I watch that a lot, right? Uh, we're not going to go down that road today. But, you know, again, if I say, guys, reinforce stuff you like, punish stuff you don't like. Okay. That's the most basic training concept you have to understand. Number uh, the, the second training concept we need to understand today dogs can only focus on one thing at a time. Very important detail, right? They can literally only focus on one thing at a time. Uh, You know, I've said said if you've seen that Disney movie Up, of course, we all know Doug. Uh, Doug is the quintessential dog. He's talking to you and all of a sudden squirrel gets distracted that easily because that is the essence of a dog brain. I I mean, that's just like you you bottle that up. (laughs) That's it right there. Okay. So. They can only focus on one thing at a time. Now, I'll give you an example. Let's say we're out on a walk. We're, we're leashed up with our dog, and our dog is so all of a sudden zoned in and sees something. And they're looking the other way, right? They're not looking at you. You're, you're kind of like behind them in their line of sight. And you say, hey, Fluffy, sit. Or no, excuse me. ha. <laughs> they don't even say the name. They just say, hey, sit. Sit. Now, the dog is zoned in on something over there. Squirrel, person, whatever. Doesn't matter. It's zoned in. One track mind, it can only focus on one thing at a time. It's so zoned in and you're asking it to sit, but you haven't refocused your dog. You haven't redirected that focus. So they literally can't even hear you. It's not in their ability to at that moment. So you have to redirect their focus. That's when I'll say, see, it's so so habitual for me to say their name when I redirect. (laughs) So now I'll say, Fluffy, (laughs) get their focus. Ah, I got eye contact. Now I'll say, sit, and then the dog will sit down. Okay, knowing that a dog can only focus on one thing at a time is so important because what else do we have to do? We have to have the ability, and this is this goes right into the third thing, the third concept. We have to have the ability to guide and direct our animal's focus. That's that's like everything with training, guys. The, the, these three things right here, these three things are so important, and they are the biggest foundational building block: understanding reinforcement and punishment, right? knowing the fact that your dog only can focus on one thing at a time, and then of course, having the ability to guide and direct that focus. So important. So, 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 so important. You want to talk about basics? Focus, guys. You've got to teach your dog to focus. Kind of leads us into the fourth thing, but really, you know, number two, three, and four here are sort of all tied in. People do not spend enough time Teaching their dogs to focus, teaching their dogs to redirect their focus in a moment of excitement or, or there's a trigger that gets them really pumped up, right? So people are really, I'm just being honest, we're really bad as pet owners. We are really bad about having a, an expectation of focus from our dog. OK, so if you really want to take your bait, your basics up, you have to understand that you got to get that focus and you have to have the ability to guide and direct it. So, guys, I'm going to mention it again. I've mentioned it a lot lately because it's so important. Kissy noise exercise, right? Kissy noise. Get your dog to look at you by making the kissy noise. They look up at you. You feed them a treat. We want to reward eye contact. We want to reward redirecting your, their focus back to you. OK, can't stress it enough. Focus, focus, focus. Teach your dog to focus. Okay, so very important. All right, so those that's that's really our kind of foundational building block. Now we want to get to the next part of our training concepts. Understanding the walk. I'm not going to dive off into the walk today because I've done a lot of segments on the walk. Uh, and if you don't understand what the walk is at its core, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of my previous segments on the walk. There's a lot of good information in there. And again, guys, have to understand what the walk is to be able to implement it correctly so that walk is another training concept it it seems almost simple right like like understanding positive reinforcement negative reinforcement punishment understanding the concepts of reinforcement and punishment knowing about a dog's focus and having the ability to guide and direct it and honing in on spending training time teaching your dog to focus and then of course that walk that walk that walk that walk so important, the concept of a walk is to mentally engage your dog. We're not gonna dive off into it, but we'll talk about it. Uh, it's to mentally engage your dog, right? Sure, we want the physical side too. And we can take out the physical side, uh, You know, we can take care of the physical side with playing ball, with, with doing swim time, with all these other fun activities, and the walk will take care of the physical, but the walk is more mental. 85% mental, 15% physical. Another very important concept, to understand. So again, I encourage you to go back and listen to more details on that walk, uh, on the walk, because the walk is is besides having this information, the walk is by far the most important part of training your dog. Okay, uh, you know I said it before. I, I I've seen so many trainers where the walk is just not, they they work on leash work, but they don't work on the actual walk. And it just like blows my mind. It's like, uh, dogs are wired to go for a pack walk. How you can just skip over that is kind of beyond my understanding. Once again, back to basics, understanding training concepts. If you understand what a dog is at its core, then you should know to walk them, right? (laughs) All right, so... Again, guys, these basic training concepts, they're so important. To me, it's like algebra. It's cumulative. You have to do work from week one in order to be successful in week 12, you know? So I implore you to do your own research, do your own reading. Go back and listen to some of my podcasts. There's some great segments on positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, uh, psychology concepts, the walk, All kinds of good stuff there, so check it out. But if you have a basic understanding of these training concepts, you're gonna get a lot further and a lot faster in your training with your dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak a Dogcast: Clicker Training. Yes, the clicker. Uh, <laughs> look, um, I'll be honest. I don't use clickers. I don't with dogs. I have used clickers before. I have, but I use clickers with birds, with cats. I've used them with other animals. I've never used a clicker to train a dog. And I'm going to give you my reasons why. We're going we're to go over this. And I promise you, they're very good and very valid reasons. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll think that too. Um, but yeah, the clicker. Look, I, ah, geez. Uh, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you walk into a pet store, <laughs> what's their job, guys? To sell you anything and everything they can. So they want to sell you as many products as they possibly can, even something as stupid and simple as a clicker. That's the first thing. Okay. Uh, but that aside, I look the first here's here's one of the here's the first reason I don't really like a clicker. I'll be honest. First thing is, I'm not a big fan of tools that I have to have on me at all times, or that could potentially not be on me at a time when I need it. Okay. If I need that clicker to uh Look, I, to bridge a behavior, and, it, and most people try to use call it, they're reinforcing the behavior, but that's not actually what you're doing when you click a behavior. We'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you need the clicker and you don't have it, then what? Okay, so I'm just I'm not a fan. Of, look, it's it, while clicker is used as a sort of reinforcer, if you will, um, it's it's the same it's the same kind of thing as like when people use a can of pennies. Look, there is a there is a dog training company, a franchise dog training company <clears throat> out there. <clears throat> they are famous for using the can of pennies trick, if you will. And basically, if you guys aren't familiar with this, you take a can of pennies, you seal it up with tape, and you shake it at the dog anytime they do something you don't like. Now, usually the dog um, becomes accustomed to the noise, right? They end up getting used to it. So it ends up not working at some point, number one. And number two, what happens when the can of pennies across the house and you need it? You can have 20 cans of pennies lying around your house, ready to go (laughs) at any given moment. No, because there's better ways to go about it. Okay. So I'm not a fan of tools that could potentially get lost or I'm not going to, so Clickers get lost, guys. They do. They're, they're, it's a tiny little thing. I don't care if you buy 20 of them. Like, it's never going to be there every time when you need it. Okay? So if you're really obsessed about the clicker, then, I don't know, learn to snap your finger. Like, people think it's got to be a click. It doesn't have to be a click, guys. It's just a noise. You're just pairing. It's just conditioning. Okay? And so this brings me to the second point. <clears throat> the real reason why I loathe clicker training for dogs Okay, actually, well, yeah, you know, here, here, here's the thing. Dogs are like really domesticated, right? Like I don't have to, I don't have to tell you this. <laughs> it's a very domesticated animal that we have very selectively bred, and it is an animal that is very in tune with us, very, very in tune with human beings, un, unlike any other animal on the a's on this planet. And I've worked with a lot of different animals, guys, a lot of different species, and dogs are without a doubt the most fine tuned into you because we've bred that into them. We've created that. Now, when I said that I've used clickers for cats and birds and things, the reason why is because those animals don't have that instinctual need, or uh, instinctual want to work with me. So I need a little extra, uh, clue, a little extra to let them know they've done something correctly. You don't need that for a dog. And the reason why is because you're already doing it. <laughs> you're already using a clicker, or at least the concept of a clicker, and you probably don't even know it. I'm going to blow your mind right now. You ready? Good boy. Good girl. That's a clicker, guys. Saying good boy and good girl is the exact same concept as clicking a clicker. Wow. It's just a noise. Like to a dog, it's just a noise. It's just a thing until you pair it with something, until you condition it to mean something. Now, when we say good boy, good girl, what do we tend to do? We tend to give affection. From the time a dog is a little puppy, a little tiny puppy, right? We're going, good boy, good girl, and snuggling with them and giving them love and affection. So from day one, how strengthened in their brain is I hear good boy and that, ser- that serotonin just goes pooh, and starts exploding in their brains. and Because we've conditioned that noise to mean that. Guys, if I, if I, if I, I don't know, if I, I literally like, I know this sounds crazy, but I could literally take a knock on a desk and give them affection and love. Knock on a desk and not say good boy, good girl. And that knock is going to mean the exact same thing to them. Now I could argue because the knock isn't high pitched, it's not going to quite have the same cue to their instinctual needs of hearing a baby and high pitched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Let's not let's not uh, we'll split hairs here. But you get what I'm saying. At the end of the day, guys, it's all just a conditioned response. So when you say "good boy" and "good girl," you're 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 clicking. <laughs> That's what you're doing. Because most of the time, think of this too, when you have a clicker trainer, trainers that use clickers, what do they do? They click and go, click, click, good boy, click, good boy, click, click good girl. Do you see, like, I mean, come on, guys, do I, do you not see that they're literally saying good boy and clicking at the same, they're doing two noises simultaneously as if that's going to make any freaking difference. It's not. Okay, so this is my gripe with the clicker is people don't even understand what it is, because most of the time, and again, it does, it does depend on how you condition the clicker, the timing of when you click, believe it or not. But most people use a clicker as what we call a bridge. Okay, think of a physical bridge, like think of an actual bridge in real life, right? Um, And I kind of like I use this like a little metaphor here for it. And pretend on the other side of the bridge is the reward, is the desired behavior. And as long as you keep doing the desired behavior, you're you're going to get to that reward eventually. So I give like the concept of, I tell my clients, look, when when I'm working with a dog who has issues walking by another dog on leash, right? What we wanna be able to do is walk by the other dog and not react, right? So, so stay with me here. Once we start working and teaching them to ignore the other dog, As we're walking by that other dog and the dog's, what do we say? We say, good boy, good boy, good boy. And then once we pass by the dog successfully, we stop and give him reward. Go back to the bridge. You see what I'm doing? We're crossing the bridge. We're going to say, good boy, good boy, good boy. They get to the end reward. I want to bridge behaviors to get the dog to the reward. Does that make sense? So good boy and good girl are a bridge. It's a means to tell them you've done it correctly to know that the reward is coming. That's that's a basic way of looking at it, okay? And that's, that's what it is. And so the clicker is the same freaking thing. I mean, come on, guys. Use your brains here. And the, again, look, I'm ranting a bit. I know. I'm a little, how can I not be? Because I'm so tired of this crap and these click, these click, these gimmicks, marketing stuff, and professional trainers who buy into it, who can't look at it for themselves and go, huh, boy, that's... That they're doing at the same time. They say, "Good." Why don't they just not use the clicker and say, "Good boy, good girl." (laughs) I mean, hello. Uh, Ah, ah. (laughs) Frustration. Uh, anger. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> how could I not have some? Because guys, it, it, it's not understanding. It, it all goes back to not understanding the basic concepts of training. What was the segment before this? Back to basics. Training concepts. If you actually understood the concepts of what a clicker is, what reinforcement is, what punishment is, what a treat is, what a collar is, what a leash is, what, what a crate is, what a good boy is. Like you have to ask the question of, What does that mean to the dog? Why do I say good boy, good girl? Oh, because they like it. That's not the answer. (laughs) Try again, okay? Oh, man, look, I have been doing this too long, guys, that nothing is coincidental. Everything in this world, everything with behavior, it all happens for a reason. I truly believe that. I really do. It's not even believe it. I know it. I've seen it firsthand. You start recognizing these patterns and you see Everything happens for a reason. Everything has its place. So if you under the more you can understand the how and the why, why am I using a clicker? Well, because the dog likes it. No. That's that's not the right answer. Stop using your emotions to train your dog. I know it's a little off topic right now. Stop using your emotions to train your dog and use logic, reason and more importantly, knowledge and understanding. That's why you shouldn't use a clicker because of knowledge and understanding. Okay. So again, I've never used a clicker for dog training ever, 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 ever. And I get, I'd like to think I get great success. I do, you know, (laughs) like to think that, um, (laughs) whether that's true or not remains to be seen. Uh, no, but seriously, guys, stop using the clickers, stop using them. And I mean, hell, if you really need to click, if you really find yourself needing to click, Learn to snap, my friends, because at least you always have that on you, and you won't necessarily always have that clicker on you. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today we're going to talk about the third president of the United States of America, Thomas Jefferson. Now, Jefferson did not originally view dogs in the best of light. Now, as a child, he wasn't necessarily the biggest fan. As I previously mentioned, dogs at the time, they were viewed more as a tool. You know, they were used for herding and hunting, and they weren't really considered much of a pet. Some people even viewed them as quite the menace. Uh, you know, oftentimes dogs would actually kill livestock, and this would definitely cause issues. So some counties even enacted dog ordinances, laws, and taxes specific to dog owners, more dogs that one owned, the more taxes that one owed. Jefferson was originally in favor of such laws. However, somewhere along the way, he had a change of heart for our four-legged friends. And Thomas Jefferson served as minister to France from 1784 to 1789. And while he was there, he became familiar with the writings of known naturalist, Georges-Louis Leclerc, the Comte de Buffon, whom he described as having been the best-informed naturalist who has ever written now Leclerc wrote that the finest dog he ever knew was chien de berger or the briard because of its intelligence and character according to De buffon the breed was instinctively quote prone to industry which we can kind of translate as meaning it uh, it worked well they knew how to work right the description of this dog breed actually grabbed jefferson's attention as he was always seeking the best examples of anything from the natural world Jefferson traversed the French countryside in search of the perfect specimen of the breed to bring back to the United States. Now he found a female, named her Buzzy, and uh, interestingly enough, she also gave birth en route to the U.S. aboard the USS Claremont, so Jefferson arrived with not one, but three briards. Interestingly... Jefferson's breeding efforts led to the line of Briards known today as the Briard Berger. So fascinating, you know. I mean, so many of these presidents really had uh, such a founding, founding father and a founding uh, father figure to dogs as well. So back at Jefferson's estate at Monticello, the dogs were put to work using their natural herding abilities. Now, shortly after his return, Lafayette sent another pair of dogs to continue Jefferson's breeding efforts. Lafayette, man, here he is again. You know, this guy is everywhere throwing dogs at all the US presidents, uh, really encouraging the breeding programs. And it's amazing uh, the influence that he had as well. Now, it did not take long for word to spread around Virginia of these new dogs and their amazing abilities. Jefferson's dogs were treated as working dogs, though, they did spend their time living outside on the estate but they did what they do best and you know being an outside herding dog now there was one exception to the dogs not being allowed in the house one time when his grandchildren were visiting two-year-old thomas jefferson randolph was actually afraid of dogs So Jefferson brought one of the young puppies inside to let him get used to being around him. Now, Jefferson did have a few other animals as well. In 1807, a gift of two grizzly bear cubs and a note accompanying them arrived at the White House from Captain Zebulon Pike. Now, interestingly enough, my wife and I, as a little side note here, on our trip up to the Georgia mountains, I have to say we stop off, (laughs) we've stopped a few times now in Zebulon, Georgia. Best Chick-fil-A, by the way, best Chick-fil-A in the world right there, I have to say, Uh, but Zebulon, Georgia. And so I I put two and two together and I had to look it up. And sure enough, yes, Zebulon, Georgia is named after Captain uh, Captain Zebulon Pike. Now, getting back to it. (laughs) So Captain Pike delivered these two grizzly bears with a note and the note had written on it a different species of bear from that found in the east, (laughs) and that they were considered to be the most ferocious animals on the continent. Now, pike... Uh, purchased the bear cubs from a native American man and rode the cubs by horseback hundreds of miles back to DC. That must've been a hell of a trip. (laughs) Jefferson had already heard about the enormous grizzly and had seen their hides sent back from the Lewis and Clark expeditions. Now Jefferson knew the bears would be way too much to handle and care for and had them sent off to the Peels museum. But without a doubt, Jefferson's favorite animal was the mockingbird. He purchased his first mockingbird from one of the slaves belonging to his father-in-law in in 1792. He loved their songs and their ability to mimic singing. Now, while he seemed to truly love all of his birds, there was one particular bird named Dick that he wrote about in his journal, and many people commented on as well. Dick spent most of the time around Jefferson. His cage was suspended in a window recess among uh, roses and geraniums. However, the cage was left open most of the time, allowing Dick to come and go as he pleased, flying about the White House. Now, at the time Jefferson lived at Monticello, there were no wild mockingbirds. However, 20 years after Jefferson's death, the birds began to populate the wooded area around his property. Today, the song of mockingbirds can still be heard in the woods around Monticello. Incredible, just it's really neat, you know, to see how animals and the history and our presidents they really just go together. The answer to today's trivia question what animal can have the most babies at once? It's the seahorse. Yes, males carry the babies and can have as many as up to 2,000 babies at one time. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q and A. The first question today comes from Vicky from Richmond, Virginia. Vicky says, "Do you have a favorite dog treat you like to use when training?" Good question, Vicky. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like to use a brand called Pet Botanics. It's my favorite brand. Uh, it's just the one I go to. I like it because most dogs never, it's rare I have a dog ever snub their nose at them, right? Especially the bacon flavored ones. They love the bacon flavored. Um, but I like them because they're small, they're meaty. I can actually pull them apart easily and make them into tiny little pieces. They don't crumble. They're not too greasy. There's lots of things I actually look for in a good quality treat. Obviously the ingredient list, I don't want them to be full of a bunch of filler or soy or anything like that. They're three uh, three calories per treats. I mean, Like, you can't get any better. Uh, That's just my personal opinion. At the same time, look, any small meaty treat. I want it to be small because when it comes to training, we're gonna be quick. Sometimes I want to give a treat and I might want to give information very quickly right after that, so I want them to eat the treat, be gone, and let's move on. Uh, If we use, you know, like uh, hard treats or crumbly treats, they might make a mess. They make a mess, the nose goes to the ground. Nose goes to the ground, I've lost their attention and I can't redirect their focus. Okay, so small meaty treats. That's really where it's at, but really my favorite brand is Pet Botanics. It's good stuff, you can find them on, uh, you find them at the pet stores, Amazon, all that good stuff as well, Uh, but yeah, check them out. Next question. This comes from Carly from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Carly says, my husband really does not like when our dog sleeps on the bed because he takes up too much space, but we have been letting him sleep there for almost two years. Can we change this behavior? Well, Carly, yes, you can. It's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be pretty, (laughs) but you can do it. One of the best things you can do is get a really good, high-quality dog bed, okay? Entice your dog to go elsewhere, because let's be real. If the option is a thin little crappy dog bed on the floor, or your big comfy bed, which one are you gonna wanna choose? So I definitely recommend making an enticing spot, but you also need to teach your dog an off-command. Now, this doesn't have to be done just when you go to bed. As a matter of fact, I would highly recommend you do this all the time. Uh, Look, if you allow your dog on furniture, which I would guess you probably do since you allow him on the bed, um, I would practice this out on the furniture first where it's not such a big deal. The bed is probably more of a big deal, so start with something that's less exciting. Um, And just teach him an off command. You know, you can leash him up, Give them a little pull, nothing crazy, but a little pull on the leash and say off. Once they get off the couch, good boy, feed them a treat, good off, okay? Ask them to get back up, rinse and repeat. Do this a couple times a day for like a week or two, and they're going to know the off command pretty quick, okay? Then we can teach the off command with the bed, okay? And we can also do, we can combine this with the spot command too, you know, if you really want to. You know, you don't really need to. It will make your life a little bit easier, but you know, uh, You know, grab your dog's collar when he gets on the bed, say off, or you maybe even don't need to grab the collar, but I'd recommend grabbing the collar so you can guide them over to their nice, big, new, comfy dog bed, give them a treat, tell them stay, get in your bed. It's going to be a little bit, now I don't want you to battle, at the same time it's going to be a little bit of a battle to start with because I know dog's going to get right back up most likely, hop right on that bed. Um, I have heard instances though where you give them a nice, big, comfy bed, and I have had clients in the past that have said, the dog tried once. They tell them to get off and back on their bed, and they kind of went, "Well, screw this! I don't even like. I'm not going to keep trying. This is pretty sweet." Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, and there really is something to enticing that dog and making it a comfy position in a comfy spot. Uh, but you want to reward when they get off the bed. Use the, use the off command. Reward them once they get off the bed, and feel free to reward them twice when they get off and when they go lay down. That way, they get twice uh, two rewards for it. Okay, uh, try that. But at the end of the day, you might need a little firm off. Okay. Little, little discipline side of it, because you do need to have your dog understand this is a boundary. This is a rule now. Uh, and again, once they get on their dog, bed, once they're off, you want to reward it and tell them you like it. Okay. So that's the biggest thing. Teach them it off reward. them once they get off, give them a big old comfy bed to lie in and reward once they're on the big old comfy bed. that'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked subscribe or follow, go ahead and do so right now. Apple podcast users, leave me that five star rating or an awesome review. Have a wonderful week and don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.